Hello, it's Matt from Discussing Documentaries. On this episode, we had our first ever guest, and unfortunately, we had a few technical issues with the microphone. Please stick with it, though. It is so worth it. This was a great episode to record, and it is worth the little bit of pain. I've had to clean it up a fair bit, and sadly, I've had to take I've had to take out all of the guests' laughter, which there was a significant amount. This episode is one of my favourites. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of Discussing Documentaries with myself, Matt Wills, and Rick Wharton. And today is a first for Discussing Documentaries because we have a guest. We're breaking our virginity on a guest on the show. And it's not just any guest. It is someone that myself... Diego Maradona. It's, <laughs> it's Maradona. He's come on in. Um, it is Dave Bailey. Dave is the creator of the Mindfart podcast and is also a comedian and a bloody good one. In fact, he's one of the best I've ever seen on stage and he's a very cool man to boot with his 90s clobber. So welcome to the show, Mr. Dave Bailey. How are you, Dave? Hello. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Your first ever guest. First ever guest. Well, technically second, because Matt found someone with the same name as his. <laughs> so he... I wouldn't say that was a guest on the show. I would say that was more of a me meeting someone with my name. <laughs> This is a genuine freeway. We're gonna we're gonna rip apart a documentary. So yeah, Dave, you're the first. I'm honoured because I am a big fan of this podcast. Oh, good. Well, and this is thank you very much. This is great because because th- these two are cornerstones of the Kent comedy community, and uh, Kent right now is the quarantine zone. So we are at some point during this, like people in hazmat suits might burst the door down and just take <laughs> us away. Like. <laughs> Even better than that, I live in Swell, which is the area which has caused all of Kent to close down. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. And I'm secretly, I'm a little bit proud of that. Yeah, I got a call off uh, another one of you, uh, the Kent lot, is uh, Adam Morrison called me just to explain that he might be held at gunpoint and can't gig for us during December. <laughs> yeah, that could be a very real thing. Yeah, I might not be allowed out. Um, so on today's Discussing Documentary episode... We can, can I just say I'm I'm also not surprised that it's Kent that's done this as well <laughs> in the slightest. No, hang on. We were the cleanest county in Britain for a while. We had like the lowest numbers. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, <laughs> Leeds were in the fucking Champions League for a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice mention of Leeds there because there is a Leeds connection here. Weirdly enough, in today's documentary, which is recommended by Dave, that's why he's on the show. Um, you can also do the same. Get in touch with us and we can talk terms. So today's... Stop devaluing our Patreon, <laughs> tears, you can <laughs> So today's documentary is Diego Maradona. It's from the year 2019. The provider for me was all four. Where, where did you watch it, Rick? Uh, oh, Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay. Okay, Dave, where'd you watch it? I watched it on Channel 4, old school. Ch- oh, old school watching it. Bloody, what, with adverts and everything? 
Well, I recorded it and then fast-forwarded through the adverts. Yeah, that's where the smart money is. It's the way um, I watch. It's the way I watch match of the day. Kent, again, look how far behind the times Kent is. There, he's fast-forwarding adverts on his VHS. <laughs> this is this is why you guys are in the situation you're in. <laughs> what What did you say about match of the day? I can watch it in twenty minutes. What? Because you don't watch the games; you just watch the commentary. I don't want to hear Alan Shearer. If I hear Jermaine Genius again in my life, it'd be one times too many. I don't, so I just watch the football. Sorry, we talked over you there. Sound like you're about to talk shit about Shearer for a second. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I've, I've I've told you that I've got I've got eight pages of notes here. Seven and a half of them are references to Alan Shearer. So. Oh yeah, Dave. Yeah, be careful of the. Uh, you, you're not allowed to knock Alan Shearer. Or Danny Dyer. That's our only there's two nothing, rules. There's nothing to knock. There's nothing to knock. And the only reason you can't knock... Oh, sorry. I thought you said... Um, I was thinking Danny Murphy there. Why is Danny... Oh, Danny Dyer. Somehow related yeah, yeah. to Danny Dyer. He's a cockney. Rick. Why did you nick it off Pirate Bay? I slept in today and I didn't want to let you guys know how far behind I was. <laughs> so I couldn't ask you where you found it. And uh, I just Googled the torrent. Fair enough. Okay. Um, it's produced by Film 4, I guess, hence why it's it was on all four, uh, as well as Altitude and Lotton Entertainment and On the Corner Films. The director is Asif Kapadia. Now, Asif Kapadia has got some East End roots about him. He's originally from Hackney. He's from my neck of the woods. And effectively, he's my age. So me and him could have gone to school together if I would have gone to school. Um, I've got no idea about the money. But I tell you what, he never got a chance to direct the school play, though, did he? Because <laughs> if he would have, I would have blown him away. <laughs> Rick, people would still be talking about that school play. Um, no idea about the money and the accolades. It's quite a new documentary. Uh, there's 12 nominees and no wins currently, but it is early days. And the reason we're doing this, not just because Dave recommended it as a very good documentary, but because Diego Maradona, sadly, uh, last Wednesday, he died. Well, sadly for his family and millions of football fans around the world. And I would... I would just like to say, of all sincerity, our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, Colombian economy right now. <laughs> Very good, Rick. Because that is going to be a bigger hit than the pandemic. <laughs> Imagine if this is how you found out. What, the Maradona died? By this, from this podcast. If this is how you found out, then... Uh, well, to be honest, it's because of social media. I, I, I found out via memes saying Madonna had died. But this is the problem of being a comedian. You have like 650 comics on your Facebook feed, so you, you have to wade through to find out what the story is they're taking the piss out of. So here's the blurb. Constructed from over 500 hours of never-before-seen footage, this documentary centres on the career of celebrated football player Diego Maradona. So, Dave, you recommended it. Lead us in, mate. Why did you recommend this one? Why did I recommend it? Well, mainly because he just died. <laughs> and I thought it'd be really good for you on your uh, promoting your podcast if you did something about someone who just died. Do you know what? You, you're absolutely not wrong there, Dave. I have recently discovered what our Podbean password is, and I've been checking the analytics, and there is an uptick on the uh, on the topical. Yes, it's a good idea. And an amazing amount of people that have listened to the Blackfish episode and then never came back is what I'm seeing. <laughs> if you could explain that to me, because I look, I look on my one and I go, I have no idea what this is showing me. Like, 
15 people in Canada downloaded this. It's like, right, why? <laughs> One person in France. I love the idea that you're suspicious. That's the best part of it. Like, <laughs> I listened to your most recent uh, podcast. By the way, that's the Mindfart podcast that Dave does, and I love it. It's like hearing a calm person be furious. It's the most furious calm person, is how I described the last episode I listened to of the Mindfart. Well, Rick, you've seen my act. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, but you have to get, you have to be along and actually listen to the words to go. Oh, he's actually fucking seething, but he's so calm. <laughs> I do car shares with Dave. He is genuinely quite an angry man. The note I made you about you here that I didn't, I didn't say. Dave is one of the finest walkers that I've ever walked with. Because uh, <laughs> we really should have had you for the Barkley Marathon bullshit one, shouldn't? <laughs> is that because I allow for your little legs? Yes. Well, no, here's the thing. Because your legs are really... What are you, 6'2"? About that, 6'2", six 6'3". Six right, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, normal because, size. But I, I walk incredibly fast. And you can keep up with me and it doesn't bother you. Whereas most people can't keep up with me and I find it infuriating. <laughs> well, it's... Who are these two people I'm talking to right now? We've <laughs> got this calm Ed Gain psychopath. <laughs> you have to listen to it and realise there's fucking emotions. And we've got Matt, who's... <laughs> See, this is why comedy is dead. This comedy is supposed to be rock and roll. You're a really good walker. <laughs> There's nothing rock and roll about us. We just have to accept that we, hopefully we won't need real jobs. That's 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 the limit to stay sane. <laughs> if it gets rock and roll, it'll become a problem very quickly. We couldn't handle success. It's been too shit for too long. Oh, God, no. I'd go the Diego Maradona route. If, if I got a ton of money, yeah, it'd go awful for me. I, I swear to God, if I got £400 for a gig at the next gig, you're seeing me in a fur coat. That's, that's <laughs> what's happened. <laughs> right, well, let's kick off this documentary because it is, hands down, the best opening of any, any documentary I've ever seen, right? It's got football. It's got Pele. It's got a high-speed car chase. It's got organised crime. There's a proper rumble that I'd, I'd never seen that before. Um, it's got Maradona's cheating leg being cut open. What else do you need in the opening five minutes on a documentary? It rocked my world. So I was going to text you straight away, Dave, and go, this is awesome already, and I'm five minutes in. I loved it. But you didn't. Why not? Because oh, I was, then I was like, <laughs> because because you'd be suspicious. Going, why is he texting me that? Is he being sarcastic? <laughs> is he like this with Rick? Does he send him every update every five minutes? Yeah, I, I do from time to time. Uh, I I I get a clickbait about how to stop peas from popping on a daily basis as well. <laughs> so, do you not think it was a great opening of the, of a documentary? Yes. <laughs> I don't watch that many documentaries. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like being in a car that was going really quickly through the streets of Italy, I think, wasn't it? Well, it's the grainy footage of that. It just made me think at the beginning, the Scarface with the bullets and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's just that that style of filming is all grainy, so I, I just get instantly triggered on Scarface. And the hero worship, because here's the thing with Maradona... I knew more of his off-field than I did the on-field. So I, I actually hadn't even realised he played for Barcelona. I knew he was Boca Juniors, and I knew he played for Napoli, but I never knew he was at Barca. So what year were you born, Rick? I was 87. Wow, okay. What year were you born, Dave? Uh, 81. All right, so I'm 71. 
So for me, he was part of my teenage years and growing up. Yeah, I don't remember the 86 World Cup. The 90 World Cup was my first proper World Cup. It's probably my favourite World Cup. And I definitely remember him at 94 because he was off his face. I know, and they don't. That's the one part that they don't get into on it because there's that one. He scores the goal, and then he he celebrates in front of the camera like fucking yeah, <laughs> and they're like, oh, should probably test that guy. But we'll, we'll go back to it. So this it pretty much starts with him leaving Barca and heading to Napoli, as I remember the beginning of the documentary. But as you said, Matt, the footage of him on the field, I mean, essentially kicking the shit out of the crowd. At Barcelona, I mean, that's insane. If he did that yeah. now, he'd be banned oh, for life. Yeah. Well, not now. He's dead, obviously. <laughs> the, when he jumped in with his knee, he connected with that geezer's chin. And the geezer was down, mate. He was out. And then he went for another fella. And then another fella knocked him over. And because of his centre of gravity, he was almost like a weeble. So he went down and he bounced straight back up again. And he was like, yeah, come all here. <laughs> But how old was he then? He must have been like 20 then, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he so he broke through onto the Boca team about the age of 16, had about two years there, went to Barca for around about two years. And it's amazing that Barcelona sold him. Well, it's not when he kicks the crap out of the crowd, but you just think... I, I think it was the problems with his off-field antics, as in they were looking at him. There's a great apocryphal tale. I remember, you ever, I love reading the mist opportunities of football clubs and one of the famous ones is apparently Maradona had a two-week trial at Sheffield United they said he was too small and I love hearing those there's a similar one with Beardsley at Carlisle United they released him for being too small but yeah wow what hang on hang on I'm sure it was Sheffield United Diego Maradona went to Sheffield on on trial uh, wait he was on trial in Sheffield but um yeah Apparently, he was they they didn't pick him up because he was too small. Is is what I'm I've read in a, a probably a nuts magazine where it's written by you know a teenager just making shit up. I know that Ajax turned down Robbie Fowler. I didn't know that one. One of their scouts had said he was good, and they turned him down because he was too small. This is what we get. Have you ever seen? There's a YouTube clip where uh, if you type it in, um, Peter Beardsley versus Lionel Messi, and obviously there's a reason why that filtered into my world, but. Um, Literally, the goals are exactly the same. The only difference is, like, Beardsley was one of the most incomprehensible speakers <laughs> of all time. And who would you rather was the manager of your youth team? <laughs> Not Peter Beardsley, because he is really... He he has very... Oh, I don't know, because Maradona, at the very least, wasn't racist. Because there is, like, Beardsley's been in the Newcastle coaching development for ever since he retired. But there, and if you think of how many managers were fired, and we never had him as an interim manager, it's because I don't think he can go ten minutes without saying the N word. And Peter Beardsley, there's been there's been all kinds of like trials behind the scenes and stuff like that for Beardsley. Yeah, it's it's really sad because again, one of the most gifted footballers of all time and lovable. He was like we had him like as an old man at like you know five foot two, and we loved him. And then like you hear him the way he talks to like different. Youth players isn't isn't particularly cool. Oh, blimey! Um, but I found that strange about uh, this documentary. They they referred to Diego Maradona as black. Did anyone else find that strange? Because he, I mean, to me, he clearly wasn't black. But was he identifying Who, as black? What, like, was he ahead of his time? I, 
Um, but he looks Hispanic. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how to describe it without quoting racists I grew up with. Right. So. <laughs> okay, well, let's not mention Peter Beardsley. Let, let's leave him like behind in our review mirror. It's um, probably that era. I would suggest uh, that it was probably because he wasn't a white European. So anyone that yes, isn't a white European, I agree with that. No, but in Argentina they referred to him as black. Oh, do they? Maybe they're just a bit thick. Yeah, and that that was the bit I found strange. Oh, the media. Yeah, I mean, some of that footage is incredible. It's like the Far Show. It's like, is this real? <laughs> yeah, it looks. And they just crazy, say their opinion it? about any kind of. Sorry, you're supposed to be like a journalist, aren't you? Oh, that was the best because he signs for Napoli, and um, the first question they get, they ask him, uh, "Do you know where the Camorra's money's come from?" So basically, they're insinuating that the mafia has purchased Diego Maradona for Napoli. But there's a reason for that, right? Because Napoli is the poorest yeah. part of Italy; they're almost bankrupt as a state. Uh, or we, we, I guess in Britain that would be a county, right? So they're almost bankrupt. And yet the, the football club, again, who are poor, like dirt, dirt poor, they're buying the world's most expensive player. Well, where did they get the money from? I, and you can also see he's clearly a problem because Maradona even says no one else wanted to buy him. So, like, the word, I mean, this documentary is clearly the definitive bioptic of Maradona because I think there's a lot of, even other stuff in there there's an awful lot left out which is what I would consider the the interesting parts of Diego Maradona's personality in life this is this is him in the best possible light as a great footballer really I would say the other yes, way because without a well, doubt because the director as if Capadia he also directed have you seen the Ayrton Senna documentary which is superb uh, no, he directed that as well as the Amy Winehouse one the Amy Winehouse one is incredible. Was that good? Is that decent? The Amy Winehouse one is the picture of someone you know this ain't going to end well. Just it's the proper like, oh yeah. Everyone around her is using her. A bit like Maradona. Everyone around her is just, you think there's no way she reached his 30. Oh Jesus. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the list. But what I don't get with this guy is he get me most, like you say, you get 500 hours of footage. At one point in this documentary, there's a phone call between him, Maradona, and his mum after he wins the World Cup. You think, how did they get that? Yeah. But clearly, that was it was wiretapping. wiretapping for get quite that some time. <laughs> that's the next part. I thought she was in the. I I know which bit you mean. I thought she was like literally in the interview with him. Oh, I liked his mum. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's family because he because the thing is they grew up in like literally the Argentinian slums in a shack. Yeah. And at the age of 15, that's when, like, uh, he becomes financially responsible for the family. Yeah. So then they put all that pressure on him that way. Then off to Barca, then then to Napoli. But um, did anyone ever see... Because when he arrives in Napoli, Napoli, it's a hero's welcome. It's absolutely amazing. And did anyone see the English counterpart who did that of uh, when Gaza went to Lazio? Yes, I remember that. It is one of the best scenes you've ever seen of a footballer arriving at a club. He gets off the plane, he walks over, and it's like all it's like pitch black. They're on the runway, they stick one of those microphones in, and it goes, Mr. Gascoigne, welcome to. And he just burps into the microphone <laughs> and walks away. And <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, it is one of the most hilarious. They wanted him deported within five minutes to like, get this fucking pig out of our country. It is fucking brilliant. Have you ever seen the Paul Ince one? 
I've on foot on uh, my mates used to have uh, all the well, you'd fit in well in Italy there, Matt, because <laughs> let me tell you, we heard that a lot. Because on Nick Hancock's football and nightmares, you had just how racist the Italian refs were. So Paul, someone would stand four feet away from Paul Lynch in front of the referee, lie on the floor, and the referee was looking at both of them, and you just give Paul Lynch a red card. They are the most racist football fans, football like leagues on the planet. Uh, Paolo Di Canio, uh, I think it was for Lazio, did a Nazi salute for a celebration. Well, fascist salute. The fans had... There's a slight difference. Eh? Oh, could he play for West Ham? It's not that he... He's a legend. Oh, sorry, I forgot he played for West Ham. Oh, don't be like, oh, me and him and Danny Dyer could hang out at some point. You're not going to. All right, you're not going to. So he does the Nazi salute, and the fans had a whip round to pay his fine. Wow. So thirty-two grand that cost. I mean, obviously, if you have got fifty-five thousand in a stadium, that's a, it's a dollar each or whatever, or whatever the currency would be. But um, yeah, they did that. And then, if you look at modern day in terms of the races in Italy, uh, Mario Balotelli, uh, Italian yeah, from Man City. black football player, one of the most yeah. So he went to Man City like the age of like twenty-one from Inter Milan. When he had his debut for Italy, now don't forget, this is a world class 20 year old player, 18 year old player, however he was. He was fantastic. Yeah. And when you have a young prodigy coming onto the field for the first time in your country, like look at Theo Walcott, Wayne Rooney, Michael Owen, they get the country gets behind them. They love a youngster yeah, yeah. breaking out. Palatelli's getting booed when well, he comes onto the black. field. He was, he was the first black Italian international, I believe. Wow. And the San Siro booed the shit out of him. He was fucked in the head from the start, the way he got trapped. So Napoli loved Maradona. And the implication of the mafia, I thought, was fucking hilarious they, in an instant because they're yelling to get the journalist out. But he, he trumped like the that. journalist, didn't punch. he? He was like, oh, you should get out. And all the other journalists were like, yeah, get out. How dare you reference the... But it's not the mafiosa. It was the... What are they called? The commie... The, the Cameroon? Camara? Camara? Can I just go? Can we just circle because back on my booing Paul Ince? I just want to make it clear. The reason I'm booing him is because I'm a West Ham fan, and because he put on the Man United shirt and had the picture taken of the Man United shirt when he was still contracted to West Ham United. Do you know why I would boo him? Why is that? Why is that? Because he didn't take a penalty in Euro '96 and left it to fucking Gareth Southgate. Was it not David Batty left that to in Argentina? Or did he do it for Southgate as well? I think he's got a history of it. He calls himself the governor, and then when it really matters, he doesn't even step up and take a penalty. <laughs> See, I love that bit. And it's just, I remember watching that. <laughs> got a lot of anger. Forget the racial abuse he suffered for years in Inter Milan. He should have took the fucking penalty. <laughs> I, um, there was a geezer I met uh, in Cyprus, and we got absolutely hammered together. And he used to own Notts County. That's what he told you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say Man U. That's too big a club. I used to when own Notts County. When did he own Because Notts County had a weird thing with owners. Uh, he owned uh, Notts County, the oldest football team in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Black and white. He owned them when that uh, would have been when I was drinking. So what was that? Two, 2000 and sometime before 2013. It might have been that because Notch County got bought out and they said they were getting rich owners. Oh, this guy was And they signed, I think. He gave me a bottle of red wine. And they signed, I (laughs) (laughs) Bottle of Prosecco, you know, classic guy. Um, 
but they signed Sol Campbell and a f- bunch of other Premier League just on the outs of um, their careers. And then it turned out they had lied about their financial backing and had no money and they went completely bust. No, I don't think that was him. I think his name was Ray True. And anyway, yeah, we, we got drunk over a number of days. He's a f- fascinating man, really interesting. But he said he employed Paul Lintz and he mentioned Paul Lintz and I went, boo. And he said, actually, Paul Lintz, lovely fella. He goes, and when he sacked him, it gutted him because he sacked him because he didn't, he, he lost the string of games. He's the reason I say the word bums on seats. Oh, it was Ray True who put that in my head because he said, look, football at that level is a bums on seats business. And basically, if they drop 600 people over a weekend game and they're paying a tenner each, that's that's a chunk of change, you know. So, yeah, they had to sack him. Lovely guy by all accounts, though. But as a West Ham fan, apparently, whenever I hear his name, I have to boo. And when his son scored a goal <laughs> at Wembley and I was there, uh, he played for Blackpool, his son. Yeah, we all booed that as well. Uh, his son has played for about 30, 40 teams, isn't it, Paul Ince? Yeah, he was a top prospect for a little while. Is it Tom? Tom Ince? Is that what Tom I'm Ince, I think, yeah. Yeah. He was a prospect for a little while. But it's it's when they... Because um, it's so funny, because in any other point, if you were to like call out someone in power of being involved in the mafia, you'd get some support. But the fact is, like again, it, it ties a lot back into what I talk about on this podcast. Like the whole fans, like shut the fuck up, get out. Yeah. <laughs> He's not with Mafia. We've got Maradona. <laughs> Do you think he knew who Diego? Because his face is like what? Because that is the first question, as you say in the press conference. Yeah, I don't think he knew then, but I think he knew because very quickly you see a lot of pictures of him with the uh, what is it, Juliani? Uh, yeah, the the, the head yeah, capo, the head capo of the organised crime. Yeah, because he says he thought it was it was like a film, didn't he? He says, oh, well, they took me out for a meal and they had guns and it was like a film. It's like, yeah, but it's actually your life and they now own you. And again, I think it's kind of since they control the drugs and women trade and prostitution trade in, in Naples, they signed Maradona as a kind of lost leader because they would knew they would just double their cocaine profits within six months <laughs> and then he would have paid for himself. Do you think that's how they li- like lured him over there? They, you know, come and have a sniff of this. It's really good shit. Well, I just can't understand how no other club wanted him because I think it's his off-field antics. I, I think back in those days. I mean, this is before like real superstars commanding big money, really, isn't it? He, he left mid eighties, so if he's known as like a problem and like a real problem of like cocaine, prostitutes, fights, they want the image of the club. And he wouldn't be tight because he says he left Barca with no money. And when he's talking about when he joined uh, Naples, he said they asked for he asked for a house. They given an apartment, which again that fascinated. Imagine being in your apartment block and you just closing the door and you turn around. And go, Hello, oh, well, fucking hell, Maradona! <laughs> That's weird. I got Pele living downstairs. <laughs> that sounds like a good pitch for a sitcom. Yeah, just just Maradona knocking on the door and asking what day's been did. <laughs> <laughs> An updated set, Stella Street. And they never mention football. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, I keep losing your first word. You keep losing my first word? Yeah. So I think that's... I won't bother with the first word then. I'll go straight with the second one. Well, right, so effectively, he debuted at Napoli on the 16th of this September, 1984. It amazes me that the way they have the gold chains out while they're playing, you won't ever see that anymore. Yeah, and he had an earring out in as well, didn't he? Yeah. 
he looked cool as a football player. People were hacking him to bits, right? Oh, they were brutal yeah. with him. They were scything him yeah. down, yeah. Um, the way when he got his leg snapped, when they showed that footage. So when the tackle came in and you saw his leg go, oh, fucking hell, that must have... But he, he got himself back, right? He genuinely... Because he understood that football was his saviour. But I, I think the problem was, well, in terms of all he wanted to do was buy his parents a house, right? And look after his family. He's very family orientated. And I think the, I think what ruined him was the adoration and all the love. He couldn't handle it. Because he was swamped. Constantly. He, I've, you do not see uh, enough. Maybe he's, I mean, I, I, I remember I was in Phoenix one Christmas in Newcastle and I saw I saw Jonas Gutierrez and I was like, it's amazing I could go up to him right now. <laughs> like, Did you? Oh God no. No. Christ no, you leave leave, leave these people be. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not But wherever he went But but I, I I assumed you'd have like a bit like a UFC fighter walking out, you'd have security guards all around them at all times as they're walking out. No, he's swamped everywhere he goes. And if you've done a little bit of gear you're going to feel paranoid anyway, right? And then you're surrounded by loads of people. It's yeah, it's not a great combination. I bet he was good fun though. But his, 1984, that would have been good Charlie as well. He was getting Maradona looked a fucking blast to be around. Yeah. he's a he's a great little mover. He's got his dancing moves on there, and you know he's just he's a bit of a geezer. Yeah, in this documentary, it, again, it wasn't quite what I was expecting because it, it's um, it's about it. It's a more in depth look at him, and in particular his time at Napoli, because Maradona's had like four different careers, and even on this, the most positive one, you're like, oh fuck, he's messing up. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought they covered the drug addiction side of things really, really well because they didn't hide it. And what I liked about this documentary, there was no talking heads. Well, I was thinking that was must have been waited to save for the end because obviously knowing how he ended up looking, it would have been like watching Rage and Bull. Do you know what I mean? When you see him in this peak middleweight shape until, and then he's at the end <laughs> just having cigars. I liked him because from my point of view, he's the villain. He was one of the first times I realised how shit life is. He made that happen. <laughs> See, it's before my time. It's just a famous moment in football. Oh, okay. Like the hand, the hand of God. The only time I got a little bit sad is because I just showed you a little clip of uh, poor Bobby. He got screwed over. I would like Bobby to have a World Cup medal, but I wasn't there to celebrate or to enjoy the moment. I remember watching that game with my dad. The Argentinian war was like a few years beforehand, and we'd, we'd won that. And then when that goal went in and they showed the highlight... Just quickly, yeah. Matt. I, I truly, truly miss having international conflicts with countries that have a good football team. <laughs> like, Is that why we don't go to now, war with China? Now it, uh, yeah, there's no point because it's going to be no drama in the World Cup, is it, at all? Like the West German, like the Germany teams have got that. Then you got the fucking, the Argentinians, the Falklands. It was fucking incredible. You know, Russia, like Holland v. Germany. Look at, look at this, uh, the highlights of those spitting on each other on the field as if they're on, you know, fighting in no man's land. You just don't get it anymore. Do you think that's why Thatcher went to war? Did she went, this will make a World Cup a lot more interesting. <laughs> Fuck them. Well, 
We'll see what happens with the backstop, but the Ireland-England games might become interesting in a few years. But until then... Well, it's um, England-Scotland, isn't it, and the Euros? We've got England-Scotland and the Euros, but uh, let's be honest, that's that's more for them to cheer on than us, because it's, it's just unfair to mock them. <laughs> like... Well, Inc- that's like it's like playing football in the back garden with your nephew <laughs> and being like, "Yeah, I won." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are? Hey, Southgate's not a great manager. They could sneak a victory on us, but even then, just applaud them for doing it. They deserve a moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we don't score two from a corner, they have a chance of beating us. They might do. But when you got a bunch of Championship players and a bunch of fringe players from the Premier League, it's you know. I mean, at least Wales have Gareth Bale. They've got someone to hang their hat on. Name two. Like, I watch, we watch a lot of football. Can you name three players in the Scottish first 11 right now? Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson, that's not a bad shout. Your guy, Matt. Steven Gerrard, although he's not currently a player. He's not a player, nor is he Scottish. He's a manager in Rangers. Um, oh, the man you want, it's awful. McTominay, that's, I would have put, that's the one I would have said. I should um, do because I read about Hibs every week. No, I've got a, I've got a, no, can't find, can't read. See it. exactly. So, so it's great that they made it and they've got something to watch in the summer. But let's be honest: if we lose, it's because we lost it, not because they won. <laughs> but I'd also say, and a similar thing then: the '86 World Cup. Name another player in the Argentina team. I know. I was so amazed I couldn't I couldn't pick a single one out. I, I'm a bit of a football historian for terms of like world class players and stuff. I, I couldn't. Couldn't couldn't tell you one because I think he did truly win that. Well, not truly on his own, but just I've never seen anyone in any sport, certainly a team sport, yeah, literally on in, on their own without him, they wouldn't even got out of the group stage. I yeah. I would put that up there with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah, I, exactly. Yes. And I think that's what this documentary shows better than any other aspect of Diego Maradona is just how good he was at making teams win. Especially underdogs, because at Napoli, they were underdogs. They didn't have any good players. so They were an avoid relegation team, and he got them to where he got them, which is incredible. Like, And it shows, and again, because everyone talks... You, you, Sorry, double back to your story of the 86 World D- Cup. No, there. we will get to that, because then... But let's just... Listen, I think the reason he made teams win was because he was all about the team. As much as he was a gifted individual, because all of the... Um, every time you cut to him being interviewed in the dressing room, he would always say to the interviewer, come and meet the team. And he would introduce the team to the person who was interviewing him. That happened a few times. Even on the Gary Lineker documentary I watched, um, when Gary Lineker went to meet him, he went, I'll oh, come in, meet the team who I'm playing with today. I I understand you thinking that, but we've all hung out and had a night out with a cokehead. And they're always like, yeah, here's me mate. He's from... He's from near where you are. <laughs> he knows he He's got a blue shirt. You got a blue shirt. Look at him. <laughs> Come on, meet my mate. He, he used to own Notts County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really honest. He's called Alan True. He doesn't even lie. His name's True. He's, he's going to give me a game at the weekend. I'm going to play up front for Notts County. Apparently, <laughs> I'm the same size as Maradona. I feel like you don't believe me. I am so tempted, like once this pandemic's over, just to hire actors to try and convince Matt there's someone famous. Particularly if we have a documentary coming up, like hire someone to say he's Senna's dad. You know, yeah, sat with him the other day. He was, uh, he was in the Medway, told, just having a drink. Told me, told me motor racing was a bum's on business. <laughs> he raises chickens. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Love the chicken episode. Um, there was one thing that kept popping up that I absolutely loved in this documentary. Uh, and it was the first time we heard the football chant. And it was from Juventus and it was to the Napoli fans. Oh, fucking hell, right? yeah. And it, it puts the English chants to shame because I thought we had pretty good football chants. We don't. So this is the Juventus one to Napoli. Even the dogs run too. The Neapolitans are coming, sick with cholera, victims of the earthquake. You never wash with soap. Napoli shit, Napoli cholera. You are the shame of the whole of Italy. Work hard, Neapolitans, because for Maradona, you'll have to sell your asses too. And I think in Italian, that rhymes. I prefer three lions. <laughs> <laughs> Get you going a bit more, to be honest. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I prefer work world in motion. Because <laughs> there was a quote in the documentary, the Neapolitans were the Africans of Italy, the unwashed, the peasants. And again, even that is very racially insensitive to, to even say that, do you know what I mean? Because these are all Italian talking heads. And even then, they think that's okay to say it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just to be like... Oh, you know, they're trapped like black people. And it's just like, well, even now in a British documentary, I think they would, you know, soften that language just a bit. But speaking of the British, did you see the, the one clip of the English fans? He had just one guy of a balding oh, quiff telling yeah. foreigners to fuck <laughs> off in the stands. <laughs> the, um, there was another quote from an, uh, the opposing fans. Napoli, wash them with fire. So West Ham fans have a pop at the opposing fans when they come, but not for long because we're normally getting turned over and that shuts us up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this this was genuine hatred. But you guys are literally like children. They're just, you play bubbles, so you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy a new striker this year? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. This one's big. This one's big. Get the One of the last games I went to before lockdown... They had, um, was it the one you were there with me, where they had the mascots having a race? Was it, is your mascot a fridge? Oh, it's so tough at West Ham, isn't it? Oh, it is tough, yeah, yeah. It's really tough at West Ham when the mascots are racing each other. It's a good thing, because if he won, he would have got fucking sold in it. <laughs> <laughs> or put into a defender's position. So then we, so we moved from him joining Napoli, and basically you see them going up the, up the league positions, you know, over the season. The first, the first season's a struggle, but you can tell they're improving. Yeah. It's all about, you know, that winner's mentality of, they used to talk about avoiding relegation. Now it's, now it's you know, a winner's mentality to try to and get. And the turning point was when they beat Juventus, wasn't it? 1-0. Did you see the news quote after that? So after they beat Juventus, yeah, they said, uh, unfortunately, five people fainted and two people had yes. heart attacks. That's just how much... <laughs> It's how much they gesticulate in Italy as well. So imagine the amount of teeth they get lost when your team score because they're just flinging arms about over every referee decision. Because <laughs> we think we're football mad. I don't even think we're close to being football mad. Not compared to the Italians, I wouldn't say no. we are, no. Well, and because they have whole generations there. So they've got grandma down to, you know, grandchild going to the games. I think it's great. 
There was one. There was one scene I loved. There was just a little thing that I I, I spotted, which is a Tim because I've always got footage of him driving out, and you feel very much in Maradona's position through the documentary at times because you feel how claustrophobic it is and how swamped he is by attention. Yeah. And it's like people in front of his car banging on his car, and one guy just taps on the window and then points at his perm. <laughs> and he, he didn't hear him say anything. But he points at his perm and then points at Maradona's perm and goes, I got this for you! <laughs> just... He had fucking great hair, Maradona. Um... And then... So just before that World Cup, you have this weird montage of the women he's dated. And there's there's like a pause between one line when he goes, I started dating Diego when I was 15. Diego was 16 at the time. Like, oh, thank God. Thank God, Diego. (laughs) There was a Newcastle player. uh, No, not Newcastle player. There was a Newcastle target. He signed for Man United in the end called Cleberson, a Brazilian. And we tried to sign him three years before Man United, but he couldn't come to the Premier League because he had to wait for his girlfriend to turn 17. So he was married to a 14-year-old, but he couldn't come to the Prem until she became of a legal age to be in England. Where was he from? America? Brazil. Cleberson. He was a defensive midfielder. It didn't work out. Same year they bought Jemba Jemba and a few others. You sure that wasn't just an excuse? He didn't want to come to Newcastle? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got to wait till my girlfriend's 16. It was it was the Bobby Robson year, so I'm willing to believe that he was a nonce, not that it was our problem. It was before Mike Ashley. I should have told Peter Beasley he'd have been going to pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> no, not when he realised what colour skin she had there, Dave. <laughs> but then he... Um, so he's going through his, uh, his relationships, and then he gets his sister's friend pregnant. Was that his sister's friend? Wow. Yeah, yeah, the sister's friend, he gets pregnant. Yeah, one of her best mates. Well, she lived with her sister, didn't she? They were flatmates, is the way I understood it. Well, they were best mates, and she was around the house a lot, which is very telling of a guy who, you know, sleeps around. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, how do you meet Maradona? I was just there. Tell us hello to your sister's friend. I was there after 11. What else was going to happen? <laughs> what I liked about him, though, he didn't, um, he didn't shy away from learning the language, did he? He picked up. Italian straight away by the looks of it. I couldn't tell you the difference between Italian and Argentinian. I well, the fact know. no, he was having press conferences. He was speaking to people in Italian. He was, yeah, it was quite impressive. Well, I've, you know, from a English point of view, where we're only ever going to speak one language. I'd also say, from like a football thing, it shows why he was the best because he says in those first two years he was getting kicked and he realised, oh, I need to change the way I play. I need to be quicker. I need to react quicker. A lot of people yeah. just go, well, I'm going to leave Italy or I'm going to kick back. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I found that fascinating because he's like, my technique, I had to slow down the technique but become quicker in different yes. ways. Do you know what I mean? There was a there was a very thoughtful process to it. Yeah, I picked up by that. I really like that. I'm a nerd for that shit. Because they said he was a real intelligent football player, didn't they? they? His trainer said that as well. You know, you might think he was gifted. He wasn't. He was just really smart. And had a great work ethic. His trainer was the best thing in this. With <laughs> the guy who just grabbed his neck every time and checked his pulse. <laughs> when he says there's two characters, there's Diego, who's the shy kid from a poor slum in Argentina who just wants to play football. And then there's Maradona, the character that's been created to protect him from the world. It's like, well, that is it. That is everything you need to know. Yeah. That guy knew it. Yeah, without a doubt. 
um there's diego who's a nice guy and uh, there's matt Redonna who's uh <laughs> he got caught with 1.5 grams of cocaine now let me tell you that's because he'd already done 12 <laughs> grams of cocaine that night <laughs> that started off as a kilo in the morning he did really well to only have a gram and a bit he's like if i didn't take one toilet break i would have been caught with nothing they would have <laughs> had nothing on me if Fat Tony would have been there that day, we would have cleaned that all up. There would have been no catching me with Charlie. So then then, then we have the 86 World Cup. You have the England match, uh, the obvious hand of God. You said you watched that one live there, Matt. Yeah, I watched it live with my dad. So I was 15. Wasn't really into football. Um, the thing I noticed about that was the commentators back then must have really known their stuff because the names weren't on the back of the shirts. <laughs> So I remember watching that with my dad, right? And I said to my dad, like, hang on, that's not fair. And he looked at me and he just went, life isn't fair, boy. This is just how it is. <laughs> and it was my first ever kind of, oh, this life shit then, is it? And people can cheat and and he was like, yeah, this is it. And they're not getting their sodding island back either. <laughs> Your dad sounds fun. But from a... um. From a cultural point of view, in England, because of our sense of fair play and because we're English, that's seen as cheating. But from an argument... In 66, we were hardly letting them have that goal back that didn't cross the line. We had a goal that like whacked off the bar, hit off the line, and then we were like, yeah, it went in, fuck you, we're the best. We, we exactly, do the same. Right? We do absolutely the same. Let me ask, so Dave, do you think it was cheating? Uh, well, yeah, because he knew he handed it in the net. But I also think, as you referred to earlier, those stadiums, they don't have, they don't have those stadiums anymore. I've, I'm a Spurs fan. It's like going to the cinema. It's There's no atmosphere. <laughs> Can you imagine? So taking the Falklands War, taking the fact that he's Maradona, the, the fact that it's the World Cup, if he had caught the ball like Robbie Fowler did in the Arsenal game and said, oh, no, no, I, I handled that. Oh, Can yeah. you imagine what would have happened? Yeah. He, so to me, it's on the referees and the lines. It's not for him. If Gary Lineker had done that, we would have gone, oh, well, the referee should have caught on it. Oh, well, unlucky. We're through. Don't agree. Yeah, I, I, that's what I think as well. And again, the same people that will call him a dirty cheat are now the ones saying they don't like VAR because they keep on, you know, giving correct decisions yeah. and it's ruining football. So what, do you think it was cheating, Rick? Uh, I yeah, it was definitely cheating, but I'm cool from doing it. It's up to the refs to catch him, in my opinion. Um, I do think the reason why he got away with it hasn't been said because if you look at the eye line of where he is, the linesman is, and the referee is, if he didn't have that hair, you would have seen <laughs> where his hand was. So he had that big booth perm. And, and, and he, you can see he's jumping up. He does definitely punch it, but like the hair is over the top of where the referee would have seen it. Okay, and then is that like your grafty knoll theory? <laughs> yeah, that's that's my thing for it. I whenever I see Diego Maradona, I just think it's a it's a victory for guys with thick eyebrows. Is what I think. <laughs> um, I think that's I think that's why um, Peter Chilton is still angry. Did you see his tweet about it? Yeah, because so, someone posted a funny one, because someone posted uh, a picture of Peter Shilton's second wife. And I think someone posted, like, if you punched as high in the 86 World Cup, we would have won. And then, Dave, do you know what his quote was back? Go on, then. 
Oh, God, was a good, I, I may be mis, misremembering, but he, go, he basically took away all the joke from it and went, no, he cheated. It shouldn't have counted. <laughs> and then the guy responded, and this is why Twitter's a dangerous thing, because you can get addicted to trying to do this, and you just end up trolling people. But the guy responded, you did cheat. That's why it's your second <laughs> wife. Very good. Well, he also, he also tweeted last week after he... Diego died. This, well, this was in around that. So what did he say around that then? Just that he was cheating. Well, he used the C word and then he also referred to the, him cheating as well. It's like he's just died. I mean, he's literally just died. Perhaps get over it. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, well, Peter Shilton. And the other thing I think is like a football fan, take away that goal. We weren't going to win. Yeah, because... Peter Reid on the pitch. I mean, come Peter Reid with a monkey's Absolutely. Head. And, and again, because three minutes later, because no one ever really talks about this, three minutes later, he then goes to score one of the greatest goals of World Cup history. Wait, it was all right. It was all right. He whipped an entire team and slotted it home. It was quality. Six people, that was all. Yeah. I think he beat Peter Reid twice. <laughs> 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 but I believe it was the start of this World Cup where his sister's friend's child is born. And this fascinated me, and this really shows a difference in access the press had, because the press are literally in the labour in the maternity rooms, yeah, finding this woman, and they interview her, and like she's literally just had the baby and got the baby in her arms in hospital, and it's called Diego Junior. <laughs> 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 and he's Dwight Yorkton. He's like, nah, that's not mine. Yes. And it's like, come on, the kid's got shin pads and a perm. It's definitely <laughs> yours, Diego. <laughs> but he also gave an awful answer. Did you see the answer he gave? Oh, what so was they it? ask him, have you met this woman? He goes, oh, I meet a lot of people. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think no is the word you're looking for there. He denied that child's existence, didn't he? Yeah. He was like, no. Nothing to do with me, mate. Nothing to do with me. Because Claudia, his current wife or current girlfriend, was at this point two months pregnant. And they got brilliant footage of her getting in the car, looking like Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface, just pissed off of bags under her eyes, just looking seething. But again, it's the footage. It's like there's footage of him meeting his daughter for the first time. It's like, who was recording this? Yeah. In yeah. the 80s. It's incredible how they get all this footage. It's... It is, and it really humanizes him because we see him as the party animal and the guy who has created football. But this documentary does a, does a great job of hu- humanizing this character. Well, you see the Diego character rather than the Maradona character. Right? That's what you see, right? That's what you get out of this documentary. He was genuinely, yeah, he was human. As much as he said, you know, I didn't really experience my daughters growing up because I was so high all the time or on the way down. He did look like a reasonably competent dad when he was there talking to his daughter when she was like a tiny little baby that was quite sweet i mean you say that matt there's footage of him teaching his young daughter to sing abusive <laughs> chants to other italian football teams yeah, into he, a microphone yeah he was chatting juventus fuck off is what he was getting the toddler to say yeah yeah but in his defense right it's scary when football fans say it but it kind of it's quite sweet when a two-year-old says juventus fuck off it's quite there was another great song uh, sung by the Argentinian players. This was after the game with England. It was in the dressing room. Argentina's going to be the champion. We dedicate this to everyone and the whores who gave birth to them. 
And again, and they sung that and they just repeated that about five times. I've been assured as well that that rhymes in Spanish. Ole. There was a great story I remember on like uh, whenever one of the, my favorite times of like when a World Cup comes around, you always have like these great like mini documentaries about certain players or or characters of the game. Do you ever hear a player called Gargonzita? I think it was called for Brazil. No. Now he was born with like a kink in his leg. It went out to the left. His right leg went dangled to the left. So when he stood a player up on the wing, you couldn't mark him because you could run in a way that you could never stop because the way you'd naturally set up in your body movement and the way you analyze someone's shoulders and where their legs are of how you defend them. He could run looking at a player, but he was running to the right. It was fascinating just because he had like a deformity of the leg that played to his advantage. But they told the story of when he used to arrive at the, he arrived at the hotel for the world cup and he got the taxi driver in to ask, I can't remember what world cup it was or what language it was, but he didn't speak that language. He was Brazilian. So the taxi driver asks, where is the brothel? write down the address and then he says put my bags back into the taxi and went and lived in the brothel for the whole of the world cup and you're like that is amazing if the england team's out having a nando's the day before you better believe the back pages are like raheem sterling fucked our country by having nando's (laughs) whereas this guy's literally living in a whorehouse and then coming out of his wonky leg and whipping in free kicks i love it i love those characters that's what I kept thinking, not in a Brexit style, but I miss those days of footballers. Because I, have you watched the Amazon thing on Spurs? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There is not a whole lot of crack in that dressing room, is there? They're, they're it's robots. It's incredibly dull. It's loads of PowerPoint presentations. It's like a bad office meeting. And then you look at this, and as you say, the, the changing rooms after games, it's like, bloody hell, how have we gone yeah. from that to this? Yeah, it's 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 noteworthy that uh, Jose Mourinho this week bought their right back a big ham because he managed managed to mark a defender a uh, striker out of the game, and in this one you've literally got the mafia in the back and they're chucking champagne over the president, <laughs> and the president's trying to get on camera. Are you going to stay next season, Diego? He's like, hey, you're a great president, day. <laughs> uh, Diego. Take that twenty quid out your fucking nose, hey. <laughs> Argentina get into the final with West Germany. So and the English commentators are like, well, I hope they both fucking lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that, that's great. We stop paying attention to that World yeah. Cup, don't we? Oh, you handballed it? Fuck him. It's basically English mentality. Um, and then on the plane home, right, so Argentina win the World Cup. Basically, if they did this these days, going back to what you just said a minute ago, Dave, the plane would be grounded and they would go to prison in whatever country they landed the plane in. But they've they've basically taken over the plane, and this is the song they were singing on the plane. The press are pancakes, and yet we are the champions. Dance fans, keep dancing. Dance with your hearts. The press are pancakes. And again, I've been assured it does rhyme in Spanish. Do you know how much drugs you need to take before you can make pancake an insult? (laughs) (laughs) Is it a lot? (laughs) I I imagine so. I I, I imagine so. But he loves to party. He's a great footballer. What I liked was he parted. So he'd finished playing for Napoli on a Sunday night. And then he'd go partying on Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday, Tuesday night. And then he would start detoxing and training again on Wednesday. 
that's when it becomes fascinating because I know his drug problem. So he get he, t- he gets the first three days off training just to go and be just to be Diego or to be Maradona is what they said. So he'd be yeah. just coked up all week, and then they would make him just run it out of his system. So he was okay to play on the Sunday. Italians play football on Sundays. So th- this is going to be a a, a, a a scenic route for something that fits to it. But like, um, uh, I started to watch a lot of videos on Kobe Bryant after he passed. Right. Now, Kobe had this thing where if you ever see him taking a free throw or a breaking game, he would start to chew his jersey. Now, they asked him, and they asked him why he did that, and it was advice from his dad, who was also an NBA player, which is you chew your jersey, and you see Maradona do this at times, like chewing the collar of his jersey, and they say you do this because um, you're dehydrated and you basically suck up the sweat, so you got more energy and you hydrate better from playing. And I imagine Maradona doing that. It's kind of just like taking like a little snort of fucking cocaine. <laughs> And he's just he's he's sweating it out, and he's just getting it back into his system. So in the second half, he's just whipping defenders and looking at them while spinning around on the ball. I mean, it's amazing he he reached sixty. Yes, it's fascinating that he did. Yeah, yeah. Because like, how did he even get through a game? Because it, it became, I think, his latter years. Which again, we get to an and I marked this down because just just to pull the curtain back on this this particular podcast. Um, I woke up very late today and we had to put back recording this because I hadn't watched the documentary yet. And I'm like, I, could, all right, I think I know enough about Maradona. And I'm like, it's an hour and 15 and they haven't mentioned cocaine yet. Of co- I really need to see the end of this documentary because there's going to be some shit said. There's going to be a talking point. Well, here's the weird thing. I didn't know about the cocaine until this documentary. Oh, of course you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't fucking surprise me at all. <laughs> Didn't have a clue. I genuinely didn't. I didn't know he was a cokehead. Because the back head, back end of his uh, career was a lot like George Best, where like you just turn up and play in weird locations. Like George Best played for Hibs at one point, and they said at that Go point he was he was um, he was drinking a bottle of vodka at half time. Which is really unprofessional because the rest of the Scottish players were just hung over. They were. <laughs> <laughs> they had a pint of heavy. Did you see the Aberdeen thing about players just lasting on Scottish football? You see the Aberdeen um, scandal that happened during lockdown? No. So the Aberdeen players broke lockdown rules during lockdown. Oh, yes, one. yeah. They got called and, out, didn't they, by Sturgeon? And Nicholas Sturgeon. Yeah, Nicholas Sturgeon had the cheek to turn around and call Aberdeen football players privileged. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of that. It's just like, oh, God, come on, give the guys a break. They've got to work in Tesco's on a Sunday, man. <laughs> so, basically, he wins the World Cup. He goes back. Um, and The following year, they win the league with Napoli as well, which yeah. is massive to win the league for Napoli. 86-87, Series A league winners. Yeah, yeah. Serie A. That's what I said. Series 8 is <laughs> what you said. Series A. Oh, actually... As as a regular listener, Matt, say uh, Mississippi, Mississippi. I <laughs> I, I love that. That's <laughs> what. Um, I like the one getting schooled oh, on it. Was, was it Mississippi? You couldn't say. Was it Mississippi? No, no. It was, was it um, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Oh, that was that was a forty-five minute beginning to an episode. That one. It's like it's, it's not important. Yeah, it was uh, where Boston is. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a look alike for him. 1986-1987, he 
he looks a bit like Gianfranco Zola. Hallowed be his name. Yeah, he looks a little bit like Zola. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the other way around? Yeah, Zola looks a bit like Maradona. I'll give him that, yeah. You know, just with the concept of time. Good point, Dave. Yep, okay, fair point. I'll give you that one. <laughs> he also looks a bit like a short, fat postman Pat. <laughs> That's a much better look-alike. That's where all that blow went. So... He mentions uh, the Diego Jr. and also says that he didn't care about him. Uh, that was a bit sad to see. Um, he's taking injections. He's taking the oh, the injections were brutal, weren't they? For his sciatic back pain, yeah. Yeah, that was. They they put a needle in, leave the needle in, and then they inject the stuff into that. Oh, that looked just harsh. I, I felt for him then. Um, there was another great song from the players when they won the league. Oh, <laughs> I, I love, just love the songs. I love the songs. Just can I? This Diego Maradona great. You are just like mining any little bit of happiness you can find out of this. It's like, yeah, he didn't give a shit. His son didn't talk to him. Whatever. Uh, oh, and they rhymed something in the stands. I mean, they said some awful things about black people, but you know what? They they had a catchy tune. <laughs> You're not a fan of the rhyme as I am. I love a good rhyme. Um, so this one was, and is this is this what you do at West Ham? You just sit there in the crowd going should we rhyme something yeah that's it otherwise otherwise we have to watch mark noble can we do the song about bubbles again guys <laughs> fuck <laughs> off you can't <laughs> so this one chelsea smile he's smiling look at him it's lovely <laughs> so this one right they've just won the league they're in the dressing room they're getting proper pissed up with champagne and they're singing this all of them including maradona oh mama 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 oh mama mama do you know why my heart is racing? I've seen Maradona. I've seen Maradona. And mum, I fell in love with him. And then they repeat that again, you know, 20 times. And he's singing that as well about himself. Because I guess at that point, he's Diego rather than Maradona. And again, I've been assured uh, uh, it does rhyme. As a regular theme of the podcast, we look for different things in our documentaries because the next scene is he's with a reporter. He's, he's asked... Uh, the I believe it's this season because they win the UEFA Cup as well. Oh, just, sorry, just and, one, one point. Just go back one point. I'd, after they win the league, right, in Napoli, and this proves that no one celebrates like the Italians, did you find out how long the county celebrated for? Two oh, months. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you fucking celebrate winning something, Liverpool, all right? The year that Newcastle lost the league, so when we went 12 points clear, I think it was 95, 96, the year before we bought Shiro, we went 12 points clear at Christmas, and then we threw it away. That's the famous Keegan ranting on the radio. I'd love it if we beat them. And uh, my dad's bus driver, and he had to drive through Newcastle the day we mathematically lost the league, and he says there's people literally jumping from lampposts on the double-decker buses <laughs> and fucking smashing the place up. It was, apparently, it was like one of the most terrifying things you'd ever experienced. Well, Keegan's in this, isn't he? Do you see the clip of um, Kevin Keegan in this? No. No. He was one of the pundits at half-time for the 86 game against England. Oh, I didn't know that. And he said, oh, it's going well. <laughs> That's the same man who said when David Batty was about to take a penalty. <laughs> I think he can do it. <laughs> oh, he signed Batty. He knew that was going to be side-footed to the goalkeeper's hands calmly. <laughs> You're lucky he didn't pass the ball backwards from the fucking penalty spot with David Batty. 
I've seen there there is different levels of like uh, football fanaticism, which I don't think you particularly see down south. Is the best way to describe it. Because uh, I've sat, I've sat with Man United fans as they've won the Champions League, and they've been like, "Yeah, but Fergie's time's over, really, isn't it?" And just like I can't imagine what it would be like in the northeast if we had just won the Champions League. And those are Southern Man United fans, so that you know, true, true hardcore ones. <laughs> um, there was a great sign-up on the day that they won the title. And someone uh, someone drove past the cemetery and there was a sign on the cemetery saying, you don't know what you missed. <laughs> what is the UEFA Cup that they won? That's what the Champions League was beforehand. So the UEFA Cup was the European competition before the Champions League. Wasn't the Europa was League then? That's what became the Europa League. Right, okay. It only became Europa League like five years ago. So there was no Champions League back then? No, nah, no Champions League back then. Ah, oh, okay. wasn't it the Cup Winners Cup? Was that a thing? Cup Winners Cup was for like the FA Cup winners of each country? I remember Chelsea won that a few times. That and, and that's I think that that tournament died because Channel Five won the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Big Brother. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> and massive racist chance as well. Just like Big Brother. <laughs> Um, Napoli went on to win the 1990 Serie A. Have I said it right this time? Serie A. Close enough. Serie A. Serie A. Yeah. Serie A. Serie A. It's because I used to watch, because I never had Sky, so the only football I was able to watch was uh, Football Italia on a Sunday. Oh, okay. So I used to watch, like, it would show you all the highlights from that. Because it was the most watched league in the world, wasn't it? It was one of the biggest. It had the biggest stars in it, I think. It was one of the most um, pumped in. Because I think they had Mafia money, (laughs) is I think what made the difference. They had the most big teams. That's what I was thinking throughout this, is this is like the worst league for him to be playing in. Yeah. Because it's notoriously the most one of the most corrupt leagues in world football. Yeah. Because I was half expecting, when they're showing you being hacked in the beginning... And then you start to see the pictures of him with uh, that Giuliani gangster. You just expect the players to now be like parting like the Red Sea to let them walk fast just all of a sudden. It's like, I had to change my game. I had to slow down and realise they're moving out of the way from me. <laughs> uh, then we moved on to the 1990 World Cup Italia, which that for me, that was my first proper World Cup where I was into it. That one rang a bell for me. Oh, it was awesome, man. I watched it with my first girlfriend. No, it wouldn't. And her brothers played football and were friends with West Ham player and first team coach legend and talk sport commentator Stuart Pierce, MBE. Yeah. And um, their, their name was Chris Honest. So are they lying? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, this is, where I, this is where it got really kind of tragic, in my opinion. Yeah, because it, it falls apart from a bit, doesn't it? And all he did was score a penalty. Yeah. And the whole of Italy appears to hate him. And then at this point, they start to go, okay, we're going to bring him down now. And you think, well, surely think about the Italians that missed the penalties or your goalkeeper not saving the penalties. I mean, he's playing for his country. I don't really see what he did wrong. Well, the funny, I think what instigated that is, is the Napoli fans were supporting Argentina. And it was done in Napoli Stadium. Because he asked them to. He mentioned it in an interview, yes. And I would like them to support me, but, you know, 
Yeah, you and, can't ask them to do anything because they love them. Yeah, and they were playing, like you said, in they they should have moved the the location probably. I mean, that's fate, really, isn't it? For the World Cup to come down against the home nation in the stadium he plays in every yeah. Sunday, that is like stars aligning for a moment to happen. Yeah, and you're right. That was his. That was the dropping off point, wasn't it? Where he became effectively he became persona non grata in Italy. And they said the press, the tax man, and the cops were all after him now. And then the final, you see all the Italians booing the national anthem of Argentina. Yeah. And you've got Maradona, who's like literally jittery as fuck uh, on the end, yelling out that they're all sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> now, bear in mind, his kid would, all of his kids would have been Italian, right? Hmm. Yeah, they would have been born in Italy. But then, well, he called it his home, didn't he? And that you think all he's done for them, the how much they love him, and I mean, after they won the league the first time, Christ, I mean, Christ being the word. And then you think they turned on him that quickly because he scored a penalty. Well, I think it was the rest of Italy turned on. I'm not sure if it was the, the Na- Napoli fans because I think the Napoli fans also turned because when they won the league the second time, he goes over, hugs the chairman, and says, "I need you to sell me now." <laughs> But I, I think his life would have been very different if at that moment they would have sold him and he would have moved to a country where he wouldn't have been swamped like he was in Italy. I think he would have been swamped anywhere. Do you reckon? That's the thing. He was a superstar and he was a party animal. Where's he going to go where there's not... It's the same problem Gaza had. Sheffield. Where it's like Gaza... Get him to Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's too small. Yeah, what's he going to do against Stoke? You know, he's going to get kicked up in the air. But because um, Gaza had the same problem, everyone that met Gaza wanted to buy him a drink. And if you want to meet Diego, here's what you do: you, you corner him in a fucking men's toilets, and you've got a fifteen-minute chat about the Illuminati with him at least. Yeah, I felt for him, man. I really felt for him. I could, you, you know, just because he was unraveling, wasn't he? You could see it in his face. That party he was, he was at, to... the Christmas party, the Napoli Christmas party after the World Cup. Yeah. Fucking hell, that was horrible. It's got him looking so bored because the cameras are on him. He's just like, okay, 15 more minutes, get to go out. 15, yeah. 14 more minutes, get to go out. And then, then we hear about Operation China. So the police are trying to clamp down on mafia activity, the drug trade, the, the prostitution. So they've wiretapped a bunch of pimps and drug dealers. And the guy who was operating the wiretaps at this point must have been like, oh, my God, I don't believe this. Yeah. What? Diego Maradona has called the coke dealer at 3.55 in the morning. He had the wrong number. He was looking for the pimp. So then he calls that guy and tries to bring. He's like, you know that scene in Ghostbusters where she screams out on the phone, we've got a live one. Yeah. Boys, come in. Imagine that, just on the fucking white taps. You go, oh my God, what? David Beckham is just rang up asking for some fucking Charlie. <laughs> that The sad thing was, right, it was be- he, because he was a cocaine addict, right, he offered his cocaine to the prostitutes he was having sex with, which means he doesn't just get a drugs possession, but he gets a trafficking charge against him. Right? That's a 20-year stretch. But the thing is, when you do cocaine... You don't want to do it on your own. You don't want to spend all your time talking about yourself. You want to share it about and do it with others. That's how it works. So I, you know, I, I don't like to defend him just because he's he's Maradona. But I could, 
it it seemed like he was a decent guy. I know he was doing a lot of Charlie. So you think he should get a, a lesser sentence because he's a good host? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, Dave. He should have had a much lesser sentence. Yeah, thank you for understanding. I thought I'd get shit off of you two there. Hand the volivants round to everyone. The volivants aren't yeah. just for you. <laughs> but I just love the idea that Matt's like, why didn't the judge just give him a fist bump and be like, yeah, he's a nice bloke. Yeah, yeah it's Because he was godlike. Do you see the amount of people who had like the picture of... You know, Mary the Madonna, and then Maradona. Yeah. Oh, he was loved, and you can see why. And there's a, there is a thing about a guy that goes to a rubbish team and stays, and they become loved. There's another Argentinian, Gabriel Batistuta. I watched a documentary about, and he was like a world class striker, um, an absolute monster of an Argentinian striker, and he stayed at Fiorentina when they got relegated. And that means the world to them. They've got statues for them and all sorts out there. Shit. Oh, yeah, like, it's one of those things because it. it doesn't happen a lot. Same, like Again, uh, I, I've cut down a lot of the Alan Shearer references in this, but the fact that Shearer went to Newcastle and not won the top teams, that's the difference maker. That's that's why they become that extra level. Everyone loves a great striker, but the idea that you choose a club like you, yours, when you're not one of the top clubs, it, it just ingrains in hearts. Yeah. There must be a tiny part of Shearer that thinks, yeah, probably should have gone to United. Nah, no, not Man at you. all. <laughs> when you think of the players he would have played with. No, no, not in my mind. Because if you watch his <laughs> testimonial match and then you go and you watch, say, I don't know, anyone's man- a, a Manchester United testimonial match, it's not even a fucking atmosphere. He broke Milburn's record. I'll never hear of it. And what's outside Newcastle Stadium? A fucking statue. What happens to a Man United player? They get shipped out when they're 32 like they're a fucking used tampon. Wayne Rooney won their greatest ever goal scorers. Oh, you've lost a step. Get the fuck out of our club because we don't have any soul. I think I hit a nerve, Matt. You're on your own, it, Dave. It's oh, fine. Gonna... It's fine. You, you, you tell me that, whether or not you think Harry Kane should have stayed at Spurs if he could have went to Barcelona. He couldn't spell Barcelona. You couldn't pronounce it. I think you could spell it. But in that Spurs documentary, I think every time Harry Kane talks, it knocks 10 million off his price tag. <laughs> oh, yeah, that motivational speech. Oh, my oh, God. It's brutal. What the fuck happened yesterday? What happened? Uh, it was nil-nil, wasn't it? It was all, not just a nil-nil. It was one of the worst nil-nils I've ever seen. Still top, though. Yeah. In your face, shorty. Say we are top of the league. I love Jose. I love Jose. I'm rooting for him. I truly am. But I think sacking Pochettino the way he's did is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. The best. Have you seen the manager's documentary, Rick? No, you keep on putting me towards this Just one. Just watch the first few minutes. That's the one I sent you to, Dave. The um, Where they've got Jose Mourinho. Oh, yeah. That is genius. When he says... Anyone, you, anyone you'd like to um, say that's made you brilliant? Nope, just me. <laughs> <laughs> Any like family friend or like your dad? Nope, me. Yeah. Go down to me. I love him. Is when he turned up at Chelsea because he just it was just a guy who was manager of Porto, but he turned up to his press conference to like now the richest club in the world. Like there's a lot of pressure, and uh, he turns up in sunglasses and his uh, shell suit, and he goes, "I'm the special one." <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> I I fucking loved that. I loved it. There's a great quote he had about uh, new because he, he's like Jack D for me, Jose Mourinho. It's like having Jack D as a manager, and he just turned around. He was playing Newcastle, and it was just around the time of the the Swan got caught with bird flu in Scotland, 
And he says, are you worried about your record at St. James's Park? He went, I am more worried about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. I like Bobby him. Bobby Robson's number two. He'll be Newcastle manager someday. I think. I think he's. I think it's in the stars. He will be a Newcastle might Whether he'll do well or not, I don't know. And I'm not a big fan of how he actually plays football. I prefer Pochettino. But I do think Jose Mourinho will be there at some point if we get rid of Mike Ashley one, once is, uh, before it's all said and done. Yeah. He was French Maradona as well. Mm. Who, Mike Ashley? No, Mourinho. Oh, was he? Yeah, Maradona used to call him after big defeats. What to be pep like to be talked up? I was going to say a pep talk, but that that's a, the wrong manager. Well, he, he was actually in his phone under uh, when Mourinho, and then underneath Mourinho was uh, the contact my coke dealer. So accidentally, <laughs> you would call him an awful lot and be like, "Oh, you lost the other day. Never mind. Goodbye." <laughs> so this is how you know when you've made it. They keep cutting to this picture. Of him. Have you seen the buff he's got? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's when you know you've made it. He's got a clam or an oyster uh, bath. And it looks like it's got a lid where it closes. And they show that picture at least four or five times. You sure that wasn't the toilet? But I, I couldn't work out what it was. I took a picture of it and then I had to blow it up and look at certain... Because I think he's got some head and shoulders on the side. That's how I worked out it was a bath. That was probably cocaine. That, uh, that might have been cocaine. <laughs> yeah, That's not bath salt he's chucking up his <laughs> nose. <laughs> um, so, and then he leaves Napoli. So basically his persona non grata in Italy. He goes back to Argentina. He gets gets nicked immediately for having cocaine on him. This is his downward part, isn't it, of his career? Do you know what? This is the first stumbling steps of the downward part. I felt yeah. like they... Because he's on a very high mountain. Th- because this, this documentary was excellent and a little bit of a letdown for me. For the first part, I'll, you learn how great he was as a footballer and the difference he made to Napoli. The whole yeah. Napoli story, and we didn't even... It's well, it's well worth checking out with, um, you know, the mafia stuff. There's a story that I don't, I'm not sure it went into that like he just he was getting an interview from a reporter. He gets a knock on the door and he's like, "Oh no, we have to go." And he's going to go and meet up with like the Don, and then they're going through town with him so the Don can be seen with him. All that kind of stuff. But the Diego Maradona of that's existed more within my lifetime is also fascinating, and there is a lot of footage of that. Like they didn't go into when he got banned from that World Cup a whole heap, did they? Was that the America World Cup? I think it was yeah. America, did Yeah. Because yeah, cause it kind of jumps to 2004, doesn't it? So it kind of misses a decade. Yeah, because it was that one when he's got short hair. And again, it's when he scores and you see the bulges of his eyes when he's celebrating. They're like, oh, I think we should piss test Maradona. And uh, the funny thing with cocaine is it's only in your system for 24 hours. So like to fail a piss test with cocaine... You really have had to been doing blow within the hour of being told you've got a piss test. Like, I remember the first time I ever did cocaine, and someone gave me a uh, a piece of chewing gum, and I can still remember it. It's one of the happiest moments of my entire existence. <laughs> I didn't realise chewing gum could be that great, but it was just it was <laughs> ecstatic. And then I talked about myself for seven hours. Oh, it was. 
Yeah, it turns out it was a shit night. But, um, <laughs> it was... oh, that's funny. But yeah, they. Um, so I feel like this is a, a documentary made for the Maradona family for his legacy. Whereas if you were to do a complete 360 overview, you would have had just as long on what he did after. Well, I watched the Gary Lineker interview. Have you, either of you seen that? And I don't know if I'm getting my my things mixed up here. But he said the reason he got banned from America for for um, banned substances was, uh, was it Ephenebdron? Because he goes, the, the pills he was taking in Argentina didn't contain it, whereas in America they did. So it was bad advice from his doctors. That's why he failed the drug test. Hmm. You look like well, you would have read the you would have you would have read the bottle properly if it wasn't called <laughs> off his fucking nut. <laughs> like like again, if you go back and it's a it's a fascinating fascinating thing because he he literally they saw his celebration and went yeah we're gonna test him because it is it, the wides of his eyes and you're like there is something not right with him there. And that's the short hair Maradona, which you don't see in that documentary. You don't see short hair no. back in Argentina. Maradona and that that was kind of more just on the cusp of me watching football and then what he then became afterwards because when he didn't go into him being Argentinian manager which um I remember he said something homophobic in his first press conference and it went downhill from there um there's a documentary of him managing a Mexican club which <laughs> he's dancing an awful lot on that. oh I've seen that that's on Netflix is it, is it good he's actually Again, like you said earlier, I think it was Matt said earlier, he makes them a good team because he makes it like a family. So he gets them mm, all together, right. us against the world, like Mourinho does. And they actually started winning oh. and stuff, but then he, as ever, leaves. But I think it was no, the team that was in the drug capital of somewhere. <laughs> and they went, oh, it's a surprise. He's, why has he chosen us? We're bottom of the league. You think, well, look where you are. <laughs> I love that. They're, they're literally sponsored by um, Pablo Escobar. Because <laughs> that's the bit I wish was more in the documentary as well. Like the, They kind of brush over the mafia. It's like, I want to know more. Because mm. my imagination is telling me they own him and they've owned him for all of his life. Yeah. And I mean, to the point where they drop him because he's making them look bad. <laughs> 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 just, just, that's how much that's how much drugs he's doing that the mafia are going all oh, back off <laughs> can I just point I out I love the idea j- just for consistency it's not the mafia they're a very different criminal organisation because I googled them um, and they they don't like being referred to as the mafia because they're not it's a very different arm of organised crime I'm pretty sure the mafia don't like being referred to in publication as the mafia yeah <laughs> like Sorry, Italian gangsters. Is this is this where you draw the line? You're cool with the Lazio Nazi salutes being paid off, but don't you fucking miss <laughs> <laughs> You better use the right fucking collective noun for the Italian gangsters. I grew up around gangsters. You got uh, you got to get get I, it right. I don't think you can Google the mafia, can you? Have they got like a homepage? Have they got a YouTube channel, the mafia? <laughs> How are you going to find them online? <laughs> Wikipedia page. I know they get a lot of hits. Thank you. I almost, I almost just hung you up on that call, then. Yeah. <laughs> just beep. 
I just got an image of when you said Maradona being dropped by them. Just this image of a board being held up, Maradona's number coming off, and then you just pull up Paul Gascoigne's number coming on. <laughs> I did think of Gazza a lot drawing this. Yeah, me too. There's a great Gazza one for it. In 2004, he gave an interview, and he's he's chubby Maradona. You get different Maradonas, don't you, throughout? Um, and he Is was that the footage of... in the documentary of him walking down that like really long hallway? It looked like he was leaving prison, didn't it? That yeah. look could have been like a prison... Andy Dufresne walking to his cell. Because that was horrible, because he was like having a panic yeah. attack as he was walking onto yes. a TV set. Yeah, and then he started talking about his addiction, and I just he was so honest. Again, I I went into this absolutely detesting the man because of Hand of God. Like I haven't followed him ever since, and I don't, I don't really know that much about him. And then watching him and going through all the struggles, I really felt for him. I really did, just... My heart went out to him. I just, I really, I, I felt a lot of empathy for him because he was. Well, the two, the two people I was thinking of was Gaza and Michael Jackson. Yeah. That level yeah, of fame that. that very few people get where you just, it's, you're too famous. You just can't do anything. You're just detached from the world. And it was one of those times where the media's massive compared, like, it, it was a new level of fame for the time. Whereas now yeah. that level of fame exists, but there's things in the security teams you get. You don't just get like Gaza had his fat mate from Gateshead <laughs> followed him around passing them cans every five minutes. Not a personal trainer with a fucking bat and poking him in the back of the head saying to get back in the gym. So I think, yeah, a new level of fame for that time. And there isn't a, a system or, uh, or the apocryphal tales of the Maradona's to learn from of how to cope with that yeah. at a different level. It would be good to see someone... I'm trying to think of the cleanest cup football player out there currently who's quite talented. And let, let's go with Harry Kane. It would be good to see Harry Kane in a headline in 10 years' time where you know he's caned it again and there's a big load of Charlie up his nose and he's gone all fat and thin again and he's just got off the rails. I'd, just, I'd like to see the destruction of someone quite clean. Just from a Schadenfreude point of view, that'd be quite nice. I don't know why I picked Harry be... Kane. He's... Messi would be a good example for that because that's the difference. Messi is Maradona without charisma. For me. Right. <laughs> what about Ronaldo? Because he's not a. He's he's just a machine. He's just a physical specimen. I don't think there's anything that interesting about him. But if you took away football from him, because soon he's going to retire, he he could completely. He, he he could become a, a troublesome child. I don't think so. I don't I think, think so either. There's no it... there's no style in these people. There's no fun. That that's gone. That because again, I think physicality in football has taken over. So even the greats, like um take a look I mean, you're gonna laugh at the example, because you know where the example's coming from. But if you say Hatem Ben Arthur, who's one of the most technically gifted players Newcastle's had, he'll get fired from big clubs and then turn up in like, you know, a relegation French side and all of a sudden he's playing amazing again. But now you have to be at a peak physical condition to even get on the field for a club. I don't think you can be a Maradona that's just jogging off a four-day coke binge the world before a match. <laughs> Gaza was another one. Well, I could say... I would say something really pretentious now. I think football's become science when it used to be kind of art. Yeah. 
I'd actually agree with that. Now it's all about how far have you run, how fit are you, yeah. Okay, how quickly wow. can you recover? Where, what zone are you playing on the pitch? Yeah. Whereas in it's probably the last generation Maradona, when it's just no, give me a football. I mean, how he even got on the pitch in the first place in that state, but then to be able to do that and the things he could do with a football. I mean, I I would agree with that. I will also say this: in Maradona's time. Do you know who was the world record uh, purchase for a for a defender? The like the most money ever paid at one point. Maldini. Warren Barton was the <laughs> transfer record for how much bought on it. Clubs didn't invest in their defence. If you look at like the early nineties Premier League, they had like a bunch of like people who let, let's go back to what we said at the start of the team would struggle to get in the Scottish national side right now, <laughs> like. The, their defenders looked like pub players. Like that's why, like Man United's and people out like would always win seven nil. Because if you had like an Andy Cole or just like a, a physical specimen up top, you'd really struggle. Now every position is well catered to. There's not a Neville Southall kicking around in the Premier League right now. Well, I think of a. Uh, you might not like this, Matt. All I think of Jack Grealish. People who lose their shit over him. It's like all he does is dribble. And people go, oh, he should be an England team. It's amazing, just because he's that old school footballer. Well, he did just score. I just watched him score a beautiful goal against us. I know. I saw it on Twitter. That was the best. Yeah, that was the best goal of the game. Uh, he, I saw the dive as well. Dave just wanted to get a rise out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we just defended quite badly, actually, for forty-five minutes, and we still won. And they scored a goal as well. And they scored a goal. Yeah. But VAR and got him. It. He was off by his hand. He was I, being pushed as well. That was, yeah, it, I, we didn't deserve to win that. Listen, for those of them with a tear in their eye, wearing black, a t- tuning in for the Maradona dedication episode, do you not want to fucking hear about Aston <laughs> West Ham <laughs> on a Monday night without even clear, concise who was playing who? <laughs> That's the point we're making. It's got to this, we would even discuss in West Ham Villa. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like he was falling down a very high mountain that he'd climbed on. And, you know, he'd level off for a bit. I, I must have found this out from watching the Gary Lineker documentary. He had an incredibly successful TV show in Cuba. <laughs> I didn't know that. Where global celebrities would contact him begging to go on the show. So one of those global celebrities who went on the show because he wanted to was... Stoke's very own Robbie Williams, or rather Port Vale's very own Robbie Williams. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it was about the TV exposure in Cuba or a night out of Maradona. Do you know what I mean? That just sounds like when you're a rich guy and you've run out of things to do, you're like, <laughs> I'll do the Maradona night out. <laughs> I'll do that TV show. Um, yeah, and no, I would have liked to have seen more of that, that because that looks like... And apparently he worked incredibly hard at it. And what he did throw himself into... Apparently, he put a lot of passion and effort into. A bit like, you know, his, his training and stuff. So, uh, that must be on YouTube. It's got to be, yeah. That Maradona interviewing Robbie Williams, the fat dancer from Take That, has to be on YouTube. I'm so glad my missus can't hear you. <laughs> she would drive to your house now and string you up. Man, he is, you're not allowed to have a go at Robbie Williams in our house. It's almost like some weird celebrity tree of who you can mock and who you can't in your household. And you're yes. Like, what, Phil Mitchell? No, my dad once worked in a pub. You can't talk shit about <laughs> Phil Mitchell. 
He's had a jelly deal. Fuck you. I'm on his side. <laughs> but I, th- I think he had an interesting life, right? And 60, that is no age, is it? Well, they showed glimmers of the footage, but there was the World Cup match in the previous World Cup that just went when he was clearly just snorting coke off the banister in the <laughs> VIP box. And he's like, he's fallen out of his trousers and he's trying to give like people the finger and stuff like that. They, they showed you a clip of it, but if they just... Again, this is why this is a lovely bioptic to watch and learn about how great of a footballer he was and the nice side. You know, the the Diego to the Maradona split personality they try and, like, make a narrative of. Whereas, like, this last 15 years, he has been fucking great entertainment, <laughs> which has been missed out for me. Why, why do you think that was missed out of the documentary then? What was the... Because it's for them. Because he's a part of the project and he has final say, like... I think this is the definitive uh, Maradona. This is my legacy and who I want the world to know. So th- given uh, okay. all the shit you see in that, that's just how much he did. I mean, you could a bit I, I still can't get over baby Diego in the fucking <laughs> Diego Jr. in the hospital. Like I still like even that stuff made the cut because there was just so much stuff that he did. But, like, when you think Napoli had to train him to get the coke out of his system through the week. Yeah. But they said. So he could play on a Sunday. Well, they did say other people, you know, will just use someone else's urine. You know. And to be fair to Maradona, he did eventually, after 30 years, he did acknowledge that that was his kid. Oh, you watched right till the end then, Matt. Well, (laughs) he was father of the year, you know. So uh, that was quite. Quite good. You, although, uh, watching that, didn't you think, well, he couldn't really deny it because the guy just looks like Maradona? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see his painting on the side of that block of flats? Yeah. That's a bit much. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with the shell bed or whatever it was, the shell bath. But I don't want to see a fucking Muriel Maradona. Yeah, well, that was a bit Northern Ireland, wasn't it? You're like, fucking hell, leave it out, Belfast. What are you like that for? <laughs> there will be other documentaries, though. I guarantee there'll be loads of documentaries about him now. Oh, yeah, I think so. But I'd like to say this was... Because they did also... The reason why I don't think... I think he had a directorial saying what happened is you never had him talk as a talking head. Yes, it was just yeah, it was just the MP3 basically, didn't he? That was yeah, that was all we got. Well, I thought that earlier when you said Matt, the guy, the director, has done Senna and Amy. Yeah, and they were both dead, and now he's picked Diego. When did this come out? Last year, twenty nineteen. Yeah, and now he's dead. Well, we're we're recording this in twenty nineteen. We hope he's okay when. We're here for it to, to converge on some horrific circumstance to market and profit from the man's death. Well, I was reading today, apparently they're now going after the doctor. I've read that. I heard that, yeah. The German press. Similar to Michael first. Jackson thing. Michael Jackson style. Yeah, the, the, there's complications with the doctor or something, so clearly they're trying to pin it on the doctor. But from what we've just watched, and knowing. Um, like a snippet of what he was like after that from looking what he was like at the last year's World Cup for Maradona to have a heart attack at 60 I wouldn't even hire a lawyer if I was that doctor <laughs> I'll represent myself and if there's one if there's one perm on that jury he's <laughs> <laughs> my mate who's Spanish 
She's the one who did the translations. She basically, she sent me a, uh, a meme and it basically said, Maradona has died while the Rolling Stones are still alive is just evidence that it's not the drugs that kill you, but it's the sports. But also the Rolling Stones still get the adrenaline from being the Rolling Stones, whereas people like Maradona, that's part of the problem, isn't it? When they stop playing. The Rolling Stones didn't piss off the mafia. I was just, how did you feel at the end of it, Dave? When, when it came to an end, were you like, oh, that was good? What, the recording of this podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's midnight. I hope it was everything you imagined. <laughs> uh, how did I feel? My, uh, my uh, synopsis would be uh, incredibly talented footballer. I would go as far as to say as the greatest ever, at least for a few years. And... He was a prototype, was swallowed up by fame and people around him. And it's just very sad to see him, especially when in the big groups, when it's mental. You can see in his eyes, he is a scared little boy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, but he won a World Cup, so it's not such a bad life, is it? Um, I'm a bit like Rick. I did think it would kind of jumped 20 years at the end, but then it would have been four hours otherwise. Yeah, you guys would have been knackered by the time we're ready to fill, uh, record this. <laughs> Rick could still be watching it now and recording. Hang on, I'll watch that bit now. What did you reckon to it, Rick? Uh, uh, again, yeah, like 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 I've described, I, I think this is great. I, I thought you saw a completely different angle to him than what my perception kind of was. But I also want to see the wreck, the wreckage of that 15 years of the Argentina job. The, the Mexican job, the, uh, the what he was like just going into that World Cup. That was, he was, he was an absolute character who stopped worrying about what he was saying. He'd been pushed out that much. Uh, and I think it's a good cautionary tale because if, like, there was no one cuter than Maradona, and I tell you what, that didn't last. <laughs> yeah. I'd really recommend the Gary Lineker uh, interview with him from 2004, I think it was. No, 2006, sorry. It's, uh, yeah, it's worth watching just for the sort of 10 minutes he gets to spend with Maradona. And uh, That's another thing. You had very few other footballers weighing in on this one for some reason. How do you mean weighing in? Oh, you mean giving their commentary on Maradona? Yeah, you had like Italian journalists. Yeah. yeah see, Piro uh, Fer- Ferreira, he, he talked a bit. I think he became UV manager eventually. But... Um, yeah, you did not have yeah, the right. people that you'd expect to be sat there talking about Maradona. Well, they also had an Italian historian on. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, you you could have got uh, you could have got Stuart Pearce on, couldn't you? He was. You could have got anyone. You could have got like, the, all the people we've mentioned, like uh, including Lineker, including Gaza, Peter Shilton. You could have had any of them, but um, I don't think Shilton would have done it. He probably would have done. Is that arrogant? As long as we not told them what the documentary was called, you just put a camera on and wait for him to call Maradona a dick. He, he... Well, apparently he um, he has been asked many a time to go on programs with Maradona, and he's always refused. Um, unless he said, "Look, if if he's going to apologise and admit what he did was wrong, I'll go on it with him. But if not, nah, sod him." Well, he has. Well, he did say past tense that he knew he ham- he handled it. So that's kind of admitting it, isn't it? That's you know what we keep saying: hand to God, hand to God. He, he's one of those guys. 
What did you think then, Matt? Yeah. What's your opinion of it? I, I really liked it. But I, I like the addiction side of it. I thought that was fascinating. Um, and the fact that he kept he kept clearly falling off the wagon, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I, I, found oh, that, God, yeah. I found that quite sad, really. But I must admit, I went into it disliking the man very much. As I said in the opening statement, you know, he's getting his leg cut open. And I was like, yeah. And then by the end, I was like, oh, you poor man. You really poor man. Because you should have lived to a ripe old age. You know, if he would have stayed away from cocaine, you know, what his life could have been. Probably very dull. I think it would have been slower. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been slower. But, um, Do you think he was like Samson? Um, so as his hair got less and less, he slowed down. It was... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yes. I am going to give this one a 3.5. I thought it was a good one. Unfortunately, Dave, we can't give you a score because then Maradona might have a 15 against the rest of them. So what, what's your score there, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to give that a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. Dave, what, what would be your score? I'd probably go with a 3.5, not because I'm peer pressure, but because <laughs> the football side of it, yes, but the I want to know more about the mafia side of it. It it could have been like the three godfathers. Young, good-looking, idealistic, yeah. turning down, and then, oof, look at them now. That could have, It could have been literally the godfather trilogy for football. All right, so just in case my phone cuts out, I want to... Uh, just recommend the Mind Fart podcast. Uh, what day does that drop, Dave? On a Sunday. Drops on a Sunday. And uh, can I ask, who did the artist work on that? Uh, a guy called David Shakespeare, who used to be a comedian and now is a graphic artist. Ah, it was really good. It's very good. Yeah. It, it, it's it's similar to what I asked for when we started, Dave, is what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> In my, Why didn't in my you brief into that? Matt, it was... No, I did. You didn't mention <laughs> Dave's feet. If you would have gone, you know like Dave's got, I would have gone, oh, is that what you mean? All right, okay. <laughs> so if you just just go on the whatever you get your podcast and check out the difference between ours and my briefs. But uh, if my phone does cut out, check out Div. Uh, you got any clips on YouTube or anything that you can check out Div? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Dave Bailey Comic. And I think I've got a Facebook page. I have. There's some clips on there. There we go. Bless you for saying that. Me and Dave come from a similar school of don't make it look like I'm trying. I don't want to look like I'm fucking trying. All right. So it is. It, you have to go through the Da Vinci Code to find me or him online. But Dave's a fantastic comet. I agree. And uh, yeah. And I will say this: if the director, as if Capadia, turns up at your house to do a documentary on you, make sure your affairs are in order because you're probably going to die soon. So. Uh, yeah, it's game over if he turns up. Um, Dave, any final words? Uh, well, just thank you. Carry on doing the podcast because it is genuine. I'm not saying this because I am I know both of you. It is genuinely a brilliant podcast. You- oh, you're on it now. You can't even compliment the Dave. It's gone. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that, that becomes self-promotion. That's a snake eating its own tail in our minds. <laughs> well, I'm assuming Matt will edit this out. Yeah, probably. You can't. You can't. You can't trust that. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the mood, Dave. To be honest with you, um, Matt, Matt will spend four hours getting the tone of his voice right, and then make sure we don't see the say the c word. <laughs> That's the level of, of editing we, we've got going on here. And I would hopefully, hopefully, when life becomes whatever normal is, you can do this live because I think this would work really well live. 
God, no, and then they'd hear my speech impediment. I don't, yeah, I don't want that. That's uh... <laughs> The amount of stutters we have to cut out from this bumbling <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm tripping over myself all the time. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Dave Bailey comic, check him out on Twitter. He does a lot more work on Twitter than myself or Rick or any of the Discussing Documentaries team. And we will be back next episode. Um, oh, I've just found out we do have a Twitter. I went on it the other day. It's, um... <laughs> Fucking hell, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> right, say goodbye, Dave. Bye, Matt. See you later, Dave. Tell her, mate. Bye, Rick. Oh, he's gone now. He's gone. Oh, 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 oh.